Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to still talk about our series of selling to the government. Again, the government is the largest largest commercial or uh, your, be your largest customer in the world when you get in the doors. And it's not really difficult. Today we're going to talk about laying the groundwork, what things you need to do to prepare yourself to be in the best shape possible before you actually go and try to solicit business uh, from the federal government or state government or municipality. So, We'll get uh, get started in it uh, with the show today. It's going to be broken into probably uh, four short segments, probably like eight minutes each. Again, we recorded this about some time ago, a year ago, when we were doing series on the uh, on the uh, federal government. So we are rebroadcasting this, uh, but we never published this information, so it's going to be brand new. So let's go ahead and begin. Uh, take a break real quick, and we'll start with the first segment of Land the Groundwork. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. We're going to go now. We're getting ready to start the segment of laying your groundwork. next session we're going to talk about is more about laying the groundwork. Last week at the preview, you got a uh, success starter. And how many people had a chance to go through and do their homework? One person. Well, we've got a lot of busy people in here, and 
I commend you for uh, dedicating the time to that. Because part of the homework was getting into and reading the FARs. Uh, we had looking at micro-purchase. How many people in here have a DUNS number already? Okay, so quite a few. How many people in here know their primary NAICS code? A couple people. Okay. And the other thing that was in there is uh, Fed biz ops. And like I say, that's something that we'll go into a little bit more tomorrow. But uh, today we're going to talk about NAICS. I'm actually going to take you into the NAICS system and show you how it's put together, how your business is classified as far as a small business, how that works, obtaining the necessary registrations to submit a bid, and by that we mean the small business classifications, for one. Secondly, is those other part of the uh, registrations that you need to actually become a, uh, a federal bidder. And finally, the areas where there is additional help, such as SBA. So the first thing we talk about in laying the groundwork is what is NAICS. And to get to the NAICS system, for those who want to go take a look at it, if you go to www.census.gov, and right there on the, uh, the main page of the Department of Census's webpage is a, is a link for NAICS, the North American Industrial Classification System. Everybody got that? What happened is, many years ago, the federal government decided they needed a classification system to figure out what the different small businesses and what the different industries were. So they came up with the standard industrial codes. And a lot of agencies and a lot of state agencies still use those today. But back in 1997, they decided to come up with a uh, system between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So the analysts the economists, and the statistical people could look at business practices across all of North America. So they came out with the NAICS system in 1997. They revised it in 2002. And that is now the system that's used by the federal government to determine the classifications for bids. It's also the system that's used to uh, determine small business status. Whatever your primary NAICS code is, is the determining factor for you as a small business. And actually, if you go to page 11 in your resource manual, shows you a basic table of what the small business classifications are. And we'll go into those a little bit more in detail. But that shows you what the classifications are. NAICS identifies the opportunities for you. When we do the Fed Biz Ops tomorrow at lunch, we will actually show you that there is a search function for NAICS in Fed Biz Ops, but it's one that I do not recommend to use, the actual search function that's on the NAICS page, because a trick is you can put your NAICS code in as a text search, and that will instantly take you to all of those. To go through the NAICS, you have to go through about three steps. To put it in as a text search, you can do it right off the bat. So NAICS helps you identify what opportunities are suitable for you. As I said, it helps you understand if you are a small business based on your primary NAICS. It lets you speak the same language as your future customer, as the federal buyers. 
you know, you can go up to a federal buyer and say, hi, my name is Ted Irwin. I'm in the pest control industry, for example, and my NAICS code is 561710. Well, of course, I remember way back when when I looked at people and said, what's your sign? You know, I'm dating myself. Now I look at people in my, in my business process and say, what's your NAICS? You know, and the customers do seek, uh, seek sources based on the NAICS codes. They will go out there and they will look for companies under that NAICS code, so there are some registrations we'll talk about that you actually need to get onto so that when somebody goes searching for you, they can find you because prime contractors look for you. That's also part of the registrations in the uh, prime contractor databases. And there is a registration after you've done your central contractor registry or CCR for those who have already done that. There's a dynamic small business search page that um, the, the uh, federal buying officers, they use that to look for subcontractors and the prime contractors actually go on this one database, which I'll show you in a minute, and say, I am looking for small businesses who do this under this NAICS code. A NAICS code is broken down into six numbers. The first five are the ones we're going to look at. Uh, the sixth one is for the use by the individual nations, which I've never actually seen a use for it since it was put out. The first two digits are the industry sector, the third digit is subsector, and so on. There will not be a test on this, don't worry, but this just helps you understand how the system is put together. For example, industry code 56 is administrative and support services, waste management, and remediation services. You put those two together. That's what industry code 56 is. It covers a whole bunch of industries. After you put one with it, the third digit, 561, then breaks it down, takes the, the waste management and the remediation out of it. So subsector 561 is administrative and support services. Under that, you would then break it down to uh, the different actual NAICS classifications. So like I say, if this is just a little bit of the background showing you guys how the system works. When you go on to the NAICS page, you can search by keyword. And however, searching by keyword, have to be very careful. Because if you put in computer, for example, you can get everything from computer cabling to computer motherboards to computer furniture. So, But do your homework. Go into the NAICS system, go into the census page, take a look and determine what your primary code is. Once you determine what your primary code is, like for example, the one client out in California I have, the primary code is for training, which is 611-430. However, then we identified, I think, five or six different codes just, you know, for her that bids may come under. But this is a key part of the homework and us building the foundation of you becoming a successful government contractor. The small business size standards that we talked about are based on the primary NAICS code. Like, for example, going back to my client, Joan, her primary one was the 611-430, the managerial training. Even though one of her NAICS codes was, uh, was documentation services, in our determination, you know, internal determination, that wasn't her primary. So determine what 
the number one NAICS code is that fits your company. And that's how SBA will determine your size standard. Now, I could probably give you the website, eweb1.sba.gov slash NAICS under slash DSP and so on. I'll give it to you easy. Go to uh, www.sba.gov. www. <laughs> Here I am talking this language, you know. But after you get to SBA's website, on the left side, there's a link for programs. Under there is size standards. And we're going to be referencing that web page quite a bit in this module because a lot of the small business standards and the, and the, uh, the forms, documentations, information about the programs are under that same link. Hub Zone, we were talking with uh, Bob and Joe at the break, and uh, Hub Zone is the only category. Uh, if you're not a service disabled veteran uh, for the other guys, that's the only category that us Caucasian males can, can qualify for. You know, that's our only claim to fame, is being able to be in a Hub Zone. Geographically, the, the uh, government has gone through. They've looked at areas where the income is lower or the uh, unemployment is higher than the area area around it. They do that every time they do the census. And they determine these areas are historically underutilized business zones. A lot of downtown Denver is a hub zone. Uh, a lot of the outlying state is a hub zone. Unfortunately, right here is not. But this also takes a formal application. 35% of your employees must live in the hub zone, and your primary office has to be in the hub zone. Now, primary office means the one place where the majority of your employees are. So that could be your plant. Unfortunately, when Bob and Joe and I were talking, their, uh, their machine plant is two blocks outside of a hub zone, and that's where the primary number of their employees. The advantage of hub zone, there again, you become one of the unique categories. You can get sole source awards, and you can also get a 10% bid preference for this category. So there again, and you, I'll tell you what, you can get as many of these certifications as you need. I have seen a business card that said, uh, small, woman-owned, disadvantaged, 8A, hub zone business. She had it covered. Now, if she was a service-disabled veteran, <laughs> she would have had them all. But, uh, yeah, there's one company, uh, a lady's card that I got from, uh, from San Francisco. She had every single category that she could get on there. And that way, you know, you're just increasing your odds of getting a bid. The other two self-certifying uh, self categories are, uh, are veteran-owned small business Um there again, 51% owned by a veteran. The day-to-day -day operation, operations have to be run by a veteran. No additional certifications necessary. As we say, the service-disabled veteran-owned small business is a 3% mandate. The only certification on here is your disability has to be certified by the VA. Central Contractor Registry, for those of you who um, have got the DUNS number, then you go in. CCR, Central Contractor Registry, is just your financial information. 
getting put in. Because the government, in their goal to go paperless, is doing all or virtually all of their payments now by electronic fund transfer, EFT. To do that, they need to know where to wire you the money. And so the CCR is simply your putting your, uh, your financial information in there so they can wire the money directly into your checking account. Uh, small business registrations and the ORCA, the online reps and certifications application. The ORCA that I talked about when I talked about getting the T-PIN so I can get into the CCR so I can get the M-PIN. The solicitations that we're going to see on, on uh, Sunday, there's a section in there, Section K, which is uh, FAR 52.212-3 from the Federal Acquisition Regulations. It's this one section that's in every solicitation. You get very tired of filling them out. It says, what's your taxpayer ID number? Are you a small business? Are you owned by a parent company? Um, have you been debarred, suspended, or indicted in the past three years? It's there's, it's the same questions over and over and over. Finally, somebody in the federal government in their, uh, I think it was in the, uh, the redundant Department of Redundancy in the federal government. You, nobody's ever heard of that one. But uh, they finally realized that, hey, this is the same information that's put in every solicitation. And, uh, you know, with, what, 11.5 million contract actions, you know, that's a lot of extra paperwork. So they now allow you to do this one registration to get all of your uh, representations and certifications in at one time. Somebody actually in the government did something efficient. You know, mark this day down. The DUNS number is issued by Dun & Bradstreet. It's a unique nine-digit number. It can uh, be used for credit and reporting purposes. The GSA schedules, some of those schedules require either a financial documentation form or a DNB comprehensive report, one of the two. But DNB is, uh, the first thing is, is just a number for you to help you get your registrations. And I'll, I'll take you to exactly to that place. And it's available free of charge. It takes about 30 days to get a DUNS number, or for, I think it's $45, you can get it within a couple days. CCR, as they say, is a centralized database for financial information and you need your DUNS number to do your registration. We've got some information, I believe, on the CD. There's also some information in the resource manual on getting started on, uh, on doing the CCR registration. It actually will tell you through about five or six pages in the getting started section what information you need to do your CCR. When you get done with your CCR registration, your central contractor registry, and you do all of that and uh, you get to the last page that says, congratulations, you are complete, then there is the option to go in and do your small business registration. And actually, I am going to give you this website. This is where you can go look at your competition, if they are in there. This is also where you can go and make sure that your information looks good. Anybody in here ever heard of Pronet? Okay, Pronet used to be a, uh, a small business search capability that SBA had. This replaced Pronet. And this is actually the first page of the, uh, of the search criteria. Dynamic small business search, 
Uh, you can start searching by state. You can search by a congressional district, county code. You can go down. You can search by NAICS code. You can search by uh, by small business classification. You can search only for service disabled veteran businesses. You can search only for women owned small businesses. So. After you get done with your CCR classification, you need to do your small business classification and your registration. Everybody got the website? I mean, I go in there doing competitive searches, looking for potential subcontractors for some of my larger primes. This is the uh, front page of the ORCA. I'm not going to go into it a lot because it is on that. The resources CD that you'll get tomorrow is an actual set of instructions. But to go back to, under CCR, here's a couple uh, acronyms for you. I gave them to you a couple times, now I'll tell you what they are. When you go into CCR and you get your uh, central contractor registry number, you get a T-PIN, which is a trading partner identification number. That will come in a letter from CCR. And when you get your T-PIN, write it down, save it somewhere, because your CCR has to, be, uh, has to be renewed on an annual basis. Keep your T-PIN handy. When you are in CCR, on one of the pages, I believe it's the points of contact page, there's an M-PIN, Marketing Partner ID number. Service firms are usually based on a three-year revenue average. Anywhere from very, very small businesses, small industries, uh, the size standard is like a million and a half per year. The average is six and a half million per year for a service firm it goes up to 21 and a half and like I say if you go to page 11 in the resource manual take a look at that um, at the next break you can actually see the different size standards but you can also look up by NAICS code exactly what the size standard is for your industry if you're a manufacturing firm or a distributing firm it's based on employees for example here's a service size standard example 561210 facility maintenance. This is the field I was in before this. These are the people that go out and do an entire base. They will walk out onto, you know, Fort Collins, or they'll walk out onto, uh, what is it, Greeley Air National Guard Base, or they'll go out to the academy down in the springs. And they will do all of the facility maintenance, the pest control, the grounds, the, the uh, building maintenance, the painting, the plumbing, the HVAC, the entire base, everything that is not inherently governmental. And this is their size standards. You know, base facilities, operations, support services, they also call that BOSS. That's a terminology down the road you might have heard, BOSS, Base Operating Support Services. Their uh, size standard is $30 million, and that's a three-year average. For manufacturing or distributing, under NAICS 332510, the size standard is 500 employees. Now, with the number of employee size standards, if you are at 499 or 500, you're a small business. 
The day you hire that 501st employee, you're large. So there is no average like there is on the service side. You hire the 501st employee, you are now a large business. So if you go into the next page off the census.gov, find your primary NAICS code, go to the SBA site, go into size standards, you then will determine if you are a small business. And there are many types of small business classifications under small business. I heard Dan ask if there are women-owned small businesses, and you two are both women-owned? Okay. We have the women-owned, the small disadvantaged business, which I'll, uh, and I'll define these here in a minute, but these are the different classifications that SBA looks at. They're also the small business classifications that large prime contractors look at because large prime contractors are required to subcontract as well. I just got a GSA schedule awarded for a large transportation company. And uh, being a large business, we had to develop a subcontracting plan for them. And we had to go through, we had to talk about how we are going to find small businesses, what our goals for those are, and then twice a year we have to report if we have met those goals. So uh, we had to come up with an actual outreach program, how we are going to go out and find the small businesses. So large businesses are very serious about finding the small businesses. I was down in uh, Tucson last month at a uh, council of all the prime contractors for uh, Marshall Space Flight Center. Lockheed Martin was there, and everybody's heard of Lockheed. Lockheed was very concerned that they were not going to make their woman-owned small business goal. They were tracking it through this federal physical year, and I think they were about 5 or 6% under goal. And here's all these prime contractors, Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, all sitting down, and the key that they're talking about is how do we find small businesses? I mean, they're very serious about it. Uh, so, 8A, hub zone, veteran-owned, and if you are service-disabled, Greg, and you have your certification from the VA, Greg, <laughs> federal government actually right now mandates, and that's a mandate, 3% of all contracts go to service-disabled veteran businesses. Mandates are very nice. Some of the other programs, you can get a sole source. It's optional. But service disabled is mandated. So if you are a service disabled veteran business, make sure you have your certification and the federal government will come looking for you. Some of the uh, certifications are, as they call, self-certified. First of all, being a small business is self-certifying. If you say you are, you are, unless somebody protests that. You win a bid, one of your competitors thinks, ah, they're not a small business. So they will protest to the contracting officer, and SBA will come out, and they'll talk to you, do, a do an actual uh, certification of your small business status. So anyway, woman-owned small business is self-certified. Small disadvantaged business, if you are... African-American, Hispanic-American, 
Native American, Hawaiian American, uh, Alaska Native, uh, subcontinent Asian American, or Asian American, you are presumed to qualify. If you can show racial, cultural, or gender bias, you can also qualify. The SBA website, again, under programs, has a complete section on um, reading about the Small Disadvantaged Business, or SDB, which is the acronym that I'm going to use. Uh, SDB, you have to have a net worth of $750,000 or less, and that excludes your share of your business and uh, the residents. If your net worth is under that, you can actually turn in a formal certification, and uh, tomorrow we're going to give you an actual CD with forms and documents on there. I think they, uh, they mentioned that in the preview. Uh, that's going to have all of these certification forms on there. So you'll have the actual form. You'll also have the, uh, some of the instructions on how to get it. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's a lot of documentation, corporate articles or tax returns, and you know, a, lot of, uh, a lot of documentation. Once you become SDB certified, it then sets you apart because right now you're just a small business. Once you become an SDB, you then are in that category of small business that uh, the prime contractors and the federal government are looking for. SDB also can get sole source awards. And when we talked about sole source, that's where the government comes to you and says, you know, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you, Dan, and I want to deal only with you. Let's negotiate. They also want an open bid if it's something that's put out there as a bid. Uh, you can get up to a 10% bid preference, which means if you bid $100 and somebody else bids 91 you get up to a 10% bid preference. So that means your bid effectively is $90. You would win. And the government still pays you $100. So that's one of the advantages of the STB program. One step above that, if you are any of those categories that I mentioned before and you can document racial and cultural bias uh, and your net worth is less than $250,000, you can also qualify for the 8A program. And that was just named after Section 8A of the, uh, of the Small Business Code. But if you have the smaller net worth and you can document the bias, you can get into the 8A. Now, the 8A program is at least 51% owned and controlled by the U.S. citizen who is socially and economically disadvantaged. So you would have to be 51% owner in the company. Now, the advantage of the 8A program is that you're in it for nine years. You receive specific counseling from SBA. You are eligible for sole source federal contracts. You know, and there we go back to the sole source where all the competition is put to the side. There is no competition. Uh, and you're, you're eligible for SBA assistance and training. The marketing partner ID number is a number that you create, you know, Charlie 12345 or something like that, or OU812 or, you know, whatever you want that to be as far as your code. It's like an electronic signature that the federal government is using more and more. As you can see, on the, uh, on the ORCA page, to log into ORCA, 
you need your DUNS number, and you need your M-PIN. So make sure that you keep your trading partner ID number very handy, so if you forget what your marketing partner ID number is, you can get it. So central contractor registry is where you put all your data, all your financial data in there. Inside, once you get done with your CCR, you're going to get a trading partner ID number from actually Defense Logistics Agency is where it comes, the letter comes from. And inside the CCR is going to be your MPIN. So, and what it was is I needed to fill out the ORCA, the online reps and search for him. But I didn't have his, I didn't have his trading partner ID number. And to get his marketing partner ID number, the MPIN right there, to get that to get in to do his ORCA registration, I had to have his T-PIN to get into his CCR registration. So now you know. Now you know what all those acronyms mean. So now you know the rest of the story. Okay, so you've got all your registrations done. Now where do we find the help? First one is SBA. I say SBA is a good resource to use. Um, a caveat on all of these, I'm going to show you some steps. Dan is going to show you some steps over the next couple of days where you can find a lot of the information that at times the people at the help agencies will give you. These agencies are excellent. I work with people from every single one of them, but the resources are limited. In fact, um, when I was sitting back there, I got an email from uh, one of my contacts inside MBDA, Minority Business Development Agency, uh, telling me of some upcoming expos that he wants me to work with some of his uh, clients to go to because they don't have the resources. In fact, when I went to Tucson to the, uh, the Prime Contractor Council last month, MBDA actually asked me to go and speak on their behalf, which I did as a courtesy for them. Osdebu, that we'll talk about here in a little bit, and I'll talk about them more over the next couple of days. These are some key contacts. Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization. Federal law says every agency is required to have an OSDABU office. The OSDABU is a person who can put you in touch with the right person, with the, uh, the end user or a buyer. They can help you network down inside an organization. SBA, we've all seen their website. Uh, SBA programs, that's where I was talking about where all of the information is on size standards, the 8A program, the SDB program. It's a great resource right there. I'm, I'm in SBA programs three or four times a week taking a look at stuff. So sba.gov is a, is, a, is a very good website. And there's the administrator right there who uh, unfortunately is leaving. He's just a dynamic man. You know, he did a lot for SBA. I only hope that the incoming uh, administrator can do as much as... Uh, Administrator Beretto did. PTAC is actually uh, Procurement Technical Advisory Centers are actually there um, as a part of Department of Defense. Minority Business Development Agency is uh, under the Department of Commerce. It helps 
minority businesses with networking. Uh, sometimes it helps them with capital, finding sources of capital. But as I said before, the MBDA staff, sometimes they, um, you know, they, they know the resources limited. They, they come to me and they refer clients my way because the client needs, for example, to get on a GSA schedule or it needs help specifically for a, uh, for a research program. And they have very limited resources. Plus, what's interesting is by law, one of these federal agencies, one of these federal procurement buyers cannot recommend you specifically to a prime contractor. By law, they cannot promote your business. They can facilitate a, um, an introduction, but they can't go to Raytheon and say, hey, Raytheon, you need to use Dolores' business. By law, they are not allowed to say that. Whereas, as a consultant, a coach, and a mentor, I can go to Raytheon and knock their door down looking for you, you know, trying to get business for you. But these people, these people cannot. Now, under the SBA website, they have a complete listing of all of the Osdebu offices. And as I said, the Osdebus are those people out in the field in the different agencies that can, there again, help you open a door. These are very key people to get to know. And on the Forms and Documents CD that you'll get uh, tomorrow, there is a listing. I compiled the list, pulled it off of their specific websites, just to give you a jump start. There is a list on that CD of every Department of Defense Osdebu officer that you're going to get on that CD. And I'll actually show you tomorrow how to find those in the other agencies. Now, SBA has uh, one page, and that's also under programs. That's why I say that's a very, that's a very you know, you should bookmark that, uh, you know, that page. But uh, SBA has a website where you can have every one of the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization offices. You can also go to the individual agencies. This, for example, is NASA. You know, NASA has a very aggressive Osdebu staff. They have a specific person in there for woman-owned small business. They have a specific person for minority businesses. They have two or three major conferences per year. There was just one out in uh, California. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. They also have a small business uh, forum in September. But each agency also has their Osdebu website. This one is from the uh, Department of Justice. So, let's have a little true-false quiz before we go on. ORCA stands for Office of Records, Certifications, and Administration. True or false? Right. stands for Online Representations and Certifications Applications. The NAICS codes were designed to be similar in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Okay, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are listening. That's good. A woman-owned small business requires formal certification. False. Three out of three, I'm impressed. 8A eligibility is based on office location. Right, it's a hub zone. 
small business standards set by SBA are the same for state government. False. CCR stands for Credence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> True, false, I mean, whichever way you want to go on it. And a DUNS number is required for government contracting. True. Okay. Very good. Got 100. Okay. We learned about the NAICS system. We learned how to classify your business standards by your NAICS system, your business size. We talked about the other registrations, the CCR, the ORCA, the, the other different registrations. And we identified the areas for additional help. Our first uh, second series of uh, selling to the government is called laying the groundwork. Those are some tips that you can use to kind of lay the groundwork on your business. Again, the first step you need to do is decide what organization structure you want to be. Should you be a sole proprietor, I would suggest to be an LLC, which is a limited liability corporation, or a corporation or a partnership. Um, I would say stick with the corporation then versus a partnership because it ties to you. Stick uh, or a li limited liability company uh, just in case something goes bad with a contract or whatever. Uh, number two, make sure you get your employer identification number. Number three, make sure you go to Dun & Bradstreet get your number. If you go to the government section, they will give you a number right away within 24 hours. Uh, just look for Dun & Bradstreet uh, government uh uh, t uh, government DUNS number because it, it processes faster. They have an agreement with uh, the federal government to get these th these things done quickly because if a contract is pending or is something they want to buy, they don't want to wait a week or month in order to get that done. They want it to done as soon as possible because they're trying to meet deadlines. Uh, then, of course, um, build up your credit profile. Make sure you get your certifications in place. Make sure you have your bank accounts commercial bank accounts, make sure you have a credit card processing so you can accept credit cards. And then just market to the uh, the federal government locally. Uh, go to federal bid stops, fbo.gov, look for some opportunity. There are findrfp.com uh, that you can look for some solicitations. But go to the Oscar Blue office, the Office of Small Business Development, Utilization office, like you mentioned, and you go there and just try to network with that office, and they'll give you the person uh, who to contact for minority businesses or uh, what have you, or a small business rep for that particular agency. Each agency, as he mentioned, has a contact person, and they are accessible, and they want to hear from you. So that's my spill today on laying the groundwork. And to uh, next tomorrow, we will start for part three is understanding um, understanding some solicitations. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show. I'm Tim J.K., your host. Everybody have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim J.K. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. 
We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.